Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Today's episode is a passage from James Russell Lowell's long poem, Under the Willows. The willows of this poem aren't weeping willows, an ornamental tree imported from China and now quite common, but our native black willows. Black willows quite often grow along the edges of streams, lakes, or other wet areas such as marshes, as is the case in this poem. They are impressive trees, often with multiple trunk-like limbs leaning out over the water, with visible thick gray roots running down the bank. Their leaves are shorter than the weeping willows, but similarly shaped, like the lures fishermen use. Willows often grow a half dozen or more in a line along their bank. Lowell was in a playful, though nevertheless serious, mood when he wrote Under the Willows. This playfulness is evident in the opening lines of this passage, where he dismisses the controversy between Darwinian evolution and Christian creationism, a controversy in 1868 when Under the Willows was written, and still a controversy today, in favor of his fancy that he is descended at least in part from a tree. Under the Willows is both a celebration of June and a celebration of the natural world and the kinship the poet feels with it. It is also a criticism of New England culture established by the early Puritans that denies that kinship, that never saw a tree it didn't want to chop down. Lowell laments that the Puritans brought with them belief in devils and evil witches, but no beautiful beliefs, such as are found in the folk traditions of the British Isles with their fairies, or in Norse mythology with its Jotun, or in the pastoral religion of ancient Greece with its dryads and hamadryads. But these beautiful beliefs and beings can be found in Under the Willows. Let's listen. From Under the Willows by James Russell Lowell I care not how men trace their ancestry to ape or Adam, let them please their whim. But I in June am midway to believe a tree among my far progenitors. Such sympathy is mine with all the race, such mutual recognition vaguely sweet there is between us. Surely there are times when they consent to own me of their kin and condescend to me and call me cousin, murmuring faint lullabies of eldest time, forgotten and yet dumbly felt with thrills moving the lips, though fruitless of all words. Never estranged nor careful of my soul that knows I hate the axe and welcomes me within his tent as if I were a bird, or other free companion of the earth, yet undegenerate to the shifts of men. Among them one, an ancient willow, spreads eight balanced limbs, springing at once all around his deep-ridged trunk with upward slant diverse, in outline like enormous beaker, fit for hand of Jotun, where mid snow and mist he holds unwieldy revel. This tree, spared I know not by what grace, for in the blood of our new world subduers lingers yet hereditary feud with trees, they being 
they and the red man most, our father's foes, is one of six, a willow Pleiades, the seventh fallen, that lean along the brink where the steep upland dips into the marsh, their roots like molten metal cooled in flowing, stiffened in coils and runnels down the bank. The friend of all the winds, wide-armed, he towers and glints his steely aglets in the sun, or whitens fitfully with sudden bloom of leaves breeze-lifted, much as when a shoal of devious minnows wheel from where a pike lurks balanced neath the lily pads and whirl a rood of silver bellies to the day. Alas, no acorn from the British oak, neath which slim fairies tripping wrought those rings of greenest emerald, where with fireside life did with the invisible spirit of nature wed, was ever planted here. No darnel fancies might choke one useful blade in Puritan fields. With horn and hoof the good old devil came, the witch's broomstick was not contraband, but all that superstition had of fair or piety of native sweet was doomed. And if there be those who nurse unholy faiths, fearing their god as if he were a wolf that snuffed round every home and was not seen, there should be some to watch and keep alive all beautiful beliefs. And such was that, by solitary shepherd first surmised under Thessalian oaks, loved by some maid of royal stirp, that silent came and vanished as near her nest the hermit thrush, nor dared confess a mortal name. That faith which gave a hamadryad to each tree, and I will hold it true that in this willow dwells the open-handed spirit, frank and blithe of ancient hospitality, long since with ceremonious thrift bowed out of doors. The Puritan mind estranged from and hostile to nature is with us still today. Even those among us not hostile to nature often retain the Puritan estrangement from nature, seeing the human and the natural naturally opposed. But this isn't how either the ancient Greeks nor later European peoples felt about nature. For the Greeks, as for other primitive cultures, the human, the natural, and the divine were intertwined and inseparable. Early Christianity first separated the natural and the divine, but it would be centuries until that separation would extend to the human and the natural, with the destructive consequences we suffer today. Some among us, practitioners of Wicca or other nature religion, are again intertwining all three, the human, the natural, and the divine, but even those of us who can't go that far can strive to integrate the human and the natural preserving and restoring as much of the natural world as we can, while at the same time maintaining wetlands and trees and wildflowers, even where we develop, accepting that not every inch of ground should be seen as dollars to be made or lawns to be kept green and short. The willows Lowell enjoyed and celebrated in Under the Willows weren't on his own land, but on land belonging to a neighbor, 
who even as under the willows was being printed, was putting them up for sale. The wretch who owns them, Lowell wrote to a friend, is going to peddle them for firewood. If I had the money, I would buy the piece of ground they stand on to save them, the dear friends of a lifetime. Their sale will be a loss to the town. But what can one do? They belong to a man who values them by the cord. At least one of the willows, Lowell ruefully noted, would survive their destruction in his poem, and so it has. Hopefully more trees will survive because of Under the Willows and other poems like it, no matter how hard some are striving to drive poetry from our classrooms in favor of science, technology, engineering, and math. And some, of course, are even striving to drive science from our classrooms in favor of religion. Let's listen to Under the Willows again. From Under the Willows by James Russell Lowell I care not how men trace their ancestry to ape or Adam. Let them please their whim. But I in June am midway to believe a tree among my fair progenitors. Such sympathy is mine with all the race, such mutual recognition vaguely sweet there is between us. Surely there are times when they consent to own me of their kin, and condescend to me and call me cousin, murmuring faint lullabies of eldest time, forgotten and yet dumbly felt with thrills moving the lips, though fruitless of all words. And I have many a lifelong leafy friend, never estranged nor careful of my soul, that knows I hate the axe and welcomes me within his tent as if I were a bird or other free companion of the earth, yet undegenerate to the shifts of men. Among them one, an ancient willow, spreads eight balanced limbs, springing at once all round his deep-ridged trunk with upward slant diverse, an outline like enormous beaker fit for hand of Jotun, where, mid snow and mist, he holds unwieldy revel. This tree, spared I know not by what grace, for in the blood of our New England subduers lingers yet hereditary feud with trees, they being, they and the red man most, our father's foes, is one of six, a willow Pleiades, the seventh fallen, that lean along the brink where the steep upland dips into the marsh, their roots, like molten metal cooled and flowing, stiffened in coils and runnels down the bank. The friend of all the winds, wide-armed, he towers and glints his steely aglets in the sun, or whitens fitfully with sudden bloom of leaves, breeze-lifted, much as when a shoal of devious minnows wheel from where a pike lurks balanced neath the lily-pads and whirl a rood of silver bellies to the day. Alas, no acorn from the British oak, neath which slim fairies tripping wrought those rings of greenest emerald, wherewith fireside life did with the invisible spirit of nature wed, was ever planted here. No Darnell fancy might choke one useful blade in Puritan fields. 
With horn and hoof, the good old devil came. The witch's broomstick was not contraband, but all that superstition had of fair or piety of sweet was doomed. And if there be those who nurse unholy faith, fearing their God as if he were a wolf that snuffed round every home and was not seen, there should be some to watch and keep alive all beautiful beliefs, and such was that by solitary shepherd first surmised under Thessalian oaks, loved by some maid of royal stirp, that silent came and vanished as near her nest the hermit thrush, nor dared confess a mortal name, that faith which gave a hamadryad to each tree. And I will hold it true that in this willow dwells the open-handed spirit, frank and blithe of ancient hospitality, long since with ceremonious thrift, bowed out of doors. The editor of the edition of Lowell's poetry that I use, the Cambridge edition of the Complete Poetical Works of Lowell, first published in 1895, happily reports that in that year some of the willows Lowell loved were still standing, spared by a new landowner who intended to build a house where the willow stood, but chose a different site for the house after she came to know the willows. Perhaps next time I'm in Cambridge, I'll amble over to Elmwood to see if any still stand. I hope you enjoyed this reading from Lowell's Under the Willows, and I hope as well that after you've listened to the final episode of Fireside Poems next month, you'll follow me to two new podcasts that I'll be launching in August, Dr. J's American Passages and Dr. J's Shakespeare. In the meantime, I look forward to you joining me again next week by the fireside.